I'm not saying that my wife is Jason Statham. Episode 39 of WTF Anime, the show that has a riddle to guess if you can. Who is the monster and who is the man? I'm as ever your host, Joe, and joining me is Travis. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, we, we, we've we hit a really loopy patch, like we just ramped right into it too, wasn't even expecting it. So uh, I am really looking forward to this episode. I'm not sure we're going to talk about anything that happened in the anime. Oh, look, I'm going to try so hard because I love this, but also, like, you are sober overworked, Travis, and that's when we get our loopiest shit, so... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's where I connected the world of Tokyo Ghoul and House. (laughs) I think that's right. (laughs) Look it up. It exists. It's canon. Next time you see Hugh Laurie on the street, you ask him, and he will confirm it. Yeah, next time you see Hugh Laurie, like, you know... When's that third blues album coming out? He is a very good uh, blues singer, yes. Mm-hmm. All of this is entirely relevant to the show we watched today, which was Monster Episode 1. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sure was. A show that is great, and Travis will mention this several times, but just to get it out there, this came out in 2002? Or 2005? Yep, yeah, uh, it definitely... Uh... The voice acting, I'm not saying it is bad, but on the English dub, it certainly is the age it is, if you pick mm-hmm. up what I'm putting down. <laughs> it didn't have any of the old crimes against humanity that some of the dubbing was. <laughs> like, I mean, we're not getting, you know, no human talks like this. It might be a little dramatic at times, but it fits for what's going on. So that works, uh, but this can come later because we're, we're already digging deep dive into like voice acting. We should probably get into a little bit of the episode, maybe how it opens and whatnot, eh? Yeah. So the episode starts with a quote from, let me see, uh, the book of Johan, uh, Revelations 13, uh, 1 through 4. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know what I was going to get into. When it opened up with a quote from Revelations, I'm like, well, this is going to be bad, I feel like, but I, it, not bad as in quality, but bad as in like, we're not going, coming into a happy scene. No one's gleefully quoting uh, Revelations unless you're some kind of uh, supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of people that would disagree with you. Most of them live around, oh, I don't know, Innsmouth and would like to summon a large monster, but... Maybe maybe that's very specific. Uh, that seems... How they would jump and shout and gain new ways to jump, shout, and kill. Well, well, you know, I mean, that's pretty niche. That, that is one very small town <laughs> in a very small state, in a weird section of our country that Jake Mason comes from. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about cosmic entities. We're here to talk about brain surgery on an opera singer that went well. Yes, we are. So we uh we get our surgeon doing his surgery thing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we get introduced to our main character, Dr. Kenzo Tenma, who is, uh, oh god, I can't remember, but he's like chief, he's not a chief yet, he's just no. very good physician boy, or whatever the w- word is. Yeah, he he's a resident, he's a resident surgeon. So there's this whole kind of awesome scene of like a bunch of people surrounding him and congratulating him on a job well done, and just down the corridor there is a family mm-hmm. who have just lost a member. This uh, woman's husband, they have their son there, are basically crying over the fact that their family member has died. Yes, uh, it's not outright stated in the scene, but it's definitely heavily implied that this didn't go their way. And death is what I thought, not just tragic, not going to be the same kind of thing. There is one weird thing about that scene, though. There's definitely a guy sitting next to mom that is just sitting there, mm-hmm. doesn't interact with that scene, but is sitting directly next to this family in freakout mode. Mm-hmm. And that seems real weird to me. So ever since School Live, you're now looking at everything and being like, oh, it might actually mean something. How neat. No, it's not that. It's just that <laughs> the the mom and the kid are like supercharged with emotion. And this guy is sitting there like a wooden statue. And I'm like, that seems a little unnatural. So then we get into the opening, which, which shows us like a much more panicked and disheveled Dr. Tenma. There's a lot of running, there's a lot of gun pulling, there's a lot of him just being on a tram. We see silhouettes of some characters, and we get like some nice, very classy uh, death uh, symbolism, like spilt red wine. All, all that fun stuff to make for very dramatic openings. And you know what's, what's weird is when you describe it that way, it sounds like those uh, scenes should be almost feeling frantic or rushed, but they don't. It's shot in a very slow pace, like it's slow moving action in it, but still full of tension, uh, mm-hmm. which coupled with the, the soundtrack that's going on while, while we're doing our opening credits, which literally almost sounds like I immediately thought of the first Resident Evil movie, you know, the one that didn't suck so hard. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of some of the soundtrack of that because you kind of had like a... Like an industrial techno, but also uh, some operatic or, or orchestral stuff overlaid with it. Yeah, there's a choir in it. There's like a really dope saxophone bit, which all of these sound like so at odds with each other. But it flows really nicely. But for the episode we watched, tonally, it doesn't fit at all. Yeah. Opening credits, it definitely makes them feel ominous as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, hey. Well done that. I dug the the opening scene. So then we get our title card and we get that we're in um, 1986 uh, Dusseldorf, Germany, which is relevant to stuff that happens later. Yeah, crack open those history ki- uh, books, kids, if you were too young to remember 1986 Germany. Mm-hmm. So our main character, Kenzo, is awoken by his fiance. They have cute flirtatiousness of oh, I should be the princess, like, you're kissing, and blah, blah, blah. And all in the background is a news broadcast that is very, very important. Yep, I've got the notes written down about both stories that uh, that they review during the, uh, the podcast. Or podcast. Broadcast. Woo! Yep. So, Advisor Liebert and his family have escaped from East Germany 
and have moved to Dusseldorf with his wife and their twin children. Yep, and they were kind of uh, finding a safe haven, but they were preparing to do a press conference of some sort to make official announcements, uh, which I'm guessing that East Germany was not super pumped about, that their finance minister kind of fucked off. Yeah, maybe a little. Then the the second news story we get is um, Opera Singer is in a stable condition after Kenzo's operation, assumably the day previous, and the chairman is basically standing in front of the press but saying, yes, it was thanks to us, this great hospital, that this man is able to live. And Ava in this scene is very much like, yeah, they're definitely talking about you, but he's not mentioned at all. Not once. In fact, he he points out the fact that that story was not about me uh, to his fiance. that, you know, he, he didn't get any of the credit. Yeah. And Ava uses this time to tell him that pretty soon you'll be head of the surgical department and I'll be the wife of the head of the surgical department. You better make me happy. I'm not used to hardship. Yeah, she's the literal worst. <laughs> I fucking hate her. She's terrible. <laughs> like, from scene one, uh, you find out, yeah, this is a trash monster. Go ahead, hate on her. It's fine. It's justified. Mm-hmm. We go from there to a pan to the fireplace, and we have Tenma back at work, and one of his colleagues approaches him after another successful surgery and starts talking about all the stuff we're about to learn, that Tenma is just a marketing tool used by the hospital and all of the politics that go into that. He's weirdly complimentary about it. He's like, I mean, you've got to be, you know, like wizard level good at what you're doing to be this useful a tool to the hospital kind of deal. So good job on that. But hey, when you're a superstar, don't forget your buddy, eh? Eh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Tenma is confronted by the wife of the Turkish man who has been mentioned a bit we saw them in the opening shot crying over the death of this man. And yeah, she basically chews him out for not operating on her husband. Yeah, she she totally puts the blame on him because he got to the hospital first, but then Opera Singer got there and he got treatment ahead of uh, her husband. So she said, you know, if you would have been the surgeon in the OR like you should have been because he was there first, my husband would be fine. Q, Dr. Tenma, kind of fucked up. Yeah, and I love that the cut is this empty expression on Tenma, and then we cut to later in the day when he's on a date with Ava, and there's this back to this like blank expression as she's talking about, oh yeah, I made sure I got this dress so that I could look pretty for you. Because vapid things. Mm-hmm. And... He he kind of just lets slip that, you know, this is he's having a, a real issue, as well you should be able to do with your fiancé, you know? I'm having a little bit of a crisis with with something that my job has brought on. And she she launches into what is one of the most cringeworthy lines that she will speak, which is, well, I mean, it happens sometimes. It's not like all lives are created equal. Yes. So, because it's raised here, I'm going to talk about it. In this scene we get Tenma saying he was following the orders of the director, so it's not his fault. Right. And then immediately after that, we get Ava saying, not all lives are equal. Oh yeah, I get the Nazi symbolism here. You can see why this entire 
story is set in Germany and it uses that framing device really nicely, but not in like, obviously in a time when it's relevant, but also in a time where strife in Germany is occurring already. So there is already this innate tension that you get, if you are aware of history, from watching this show. Something bad is going to happen to a lot of people because of the conflict at the time, and then there's just extra layers of stuff thrown in through character interaction. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's nice, it's subtle, like, Germany was not a good time during uh, that, that little period when they were two countries, uh, so bad stuff happened. People, people used to get shot trying to escape over the wall, so I mean, this is still... It's not Nazi Germany, but Soviet Germany, not a lot better. They they oppressed everybody wholesale instead of just, you know, picking out certain ones, but mm, still not great. And to follow that up with, there is no music, the only sound is like the echoing scrape of like cutlery on plates, and then like this echoey chewing noise from Ava, just to like keep hitting home like, this is not normal. Yeah, yeah, especially they, she's eating some kind of uh, steak, and it is very rare, and it's like a slow shot of her carving through the steak while this is going on. Again, uh, 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 I'm thinking we're, we're doing a little symbolism here, maybe just a little, or a lot. One of those. <laughs> it's not mentioned when they first meet, but her father is chief surgeon right now uh that does come up in the scene at dinner uh it's not like a big point she just mentions it casually but it's there to clue you in that hey she's not just bold and rich she's also part of the hospital politic mm -hmm. um so yeah we cut from there to the libet house where the police arrive and the mother and father have been shot and killed the daughter has sustained massive mental shock and the son has been shot in the head but is still alive yeah yeah um and oh that poor little girl uh the the look on her face uh it, it's real tragic i mean everything going on in this scene is bad but she is wrecked it comes up a second time uh at the end of the episode but as far as we know, we're kind of watching like a personal drama with medical stuff thrown in. But that it, she is just like the quintessential like creepy girl at the end of a dimly lit hallway. Oh yeah, I she should totally have like a little identical twin. They should be <laughs> in a hallway and they should be asking you to come play. Mm -hmm. One hundred percent. So we get uh, Tenma being called in for an emergency surgery, and then we get the flashback of what happened after the dinner. Which is basically to reinforce how much of a shit Ava is and how much of a shit Dr. Heinemann is. Oh, yeah, where, where they're all coming in for, for tea. They're all sitting down for tea, and it's like father, like daughter, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. He brings up Tenma's research project and how it's very impressive. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm almost done. I'm like right there on modeling this thing that we don't have a model for. And he's like... That's great, but I'm going to have to cancel that because I need you to compile my manuscript for some conference I'm attending. He's like, but no, seriously, I'm almost done. And now Father gets the trash line where, oh, what was the exact quote? Do you have it, Joe? 
I can I can paraphrase, but I, I don't have the exact quote. Fuck, there's two like really bad ones that he says. Kenzo does this plea of like, we're almost done with this research, and then there's this anyway, I'll leave my manuscripts in your charge. After all, above saving lives, doctors value academics first. In the English dub, it was something like medical knowledge comes before saving lives, which <laughs> is literally like anybody that for real has sworn the, the Hippocratic Oath. That is anathema to everything <laughs> that you just swore. <laughs> Look, I only watch like medical dramas in TV and like I know that's what you shouldn't do as a, dra uh, as a doctor. <laughs> like you said, I have only watched doctors on TV. That is... That is the expertise and training I've gotten in medicine. <laughs> but I know this part. I got this one. I, I got this question on the test. <laughs> Do I A, write manuscripts, or B, save lives? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this flashback happens as, like, Tenwa is driving to the operation, and he gets, like, snapped out of it by nearly dying. Yeah. <laughs> And when he arrives, he gets, like, notes on the boy uh, and sees the girl in just kind of the hospital corridor in the bed. And um, in her shocked state, oh, she's a murmuring something. Yeah, yeah, she is. And Tenma leans down close. She's like, what? What is that? Which, if this is a horror movie, that's when she, she goes feral and she totally bites a piece of his face and he's going to turn next. But mm -hmm. it's not. That does not happen. <laughs> This little girl just whispers into his ear, kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just as disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not as traumatic, outwardly, but definitely just as disturbing. Because she says it again, and I'm curious who you think she's talking about. You know, um, I don't know. Uh, but I'll think on that question and see if I can come up with an answer for you by the end. Okay. So... Yeah, from there we go to Tenma, kind of in the pre-operation briefing meeting, whatever doctors do. So this kid has been shot straight through, well, in the head. So what we know from this is that when he survives the surgery, he's going to feel no pain and go on to start a very convoluted nuclear war plan uh, that would involve a British secret agent. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Did did you, like, watch the director's cut where they, they didn't edit out a scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this one episode is the prequel to The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> you know, with the worst Bond girl. Yeah, that, that, there's a strong argument for that. <laughs> I mean, this is not the podcast to do it, but thankfully we're distracted by more director bullshittery. Yeah, um, so what happened the first time when... Uh, oh, what's what's his buddy? You know, the, eh, remember me? Uh, I forget his name. It was like, Duff? So something like that? I, I don't know. I don't know what you're even talking about. The guy that ca uh, came in last time to go, hey, remember how you were supposed to operate on that Turk? Uh, change of plans, director's orders, you're operating on the opera singer. That guy- Okay, yeah. It's Dr. Boiler both times, but- Becker is the one that talks to him about him being a cog in the machine. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I will say this. Unless it's Tenma, the director, or uh, his fiance, most of them are drawn like pudgy, middle-aged white dudes. Like, that's the <laughs> yeah. character joy choice. Everybody, 
could stand to maybe do a little more exercise. They're, they're rocking some some really fluffy dad bod. And if you are, I'm not putting any judgment on that. I'm just saying that like every doctor in this hospital and all the cops in this show. And the mayor and the opera singer. They all have the same body. <laughs> Literally everybody in Germany apparently is shaped this way. <laughs> but yeah, this um, uh, boiler comes in to say he's been moved to a different assignment. The mayor has come in with something, something thrombosis. I don't know. Sounds like a brain thing. Actually, it it was a blockage in, in an artery, which, which should have been a like a, a cardiothoracic kind of surgeon deal. And they took the neurosurgeon off the clearly neurosurgical case and be like, yo, fix this dude's veins and shit. I want to see you write a medical drama. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just like slap his veins and shit around. It'll be fine. So he gets handed a phone that's the director, and Tenma goes again through this whole heartfelt plea of like, I'm gonna save this child because it's a difficult operation, but I know I can do it. And the director does the same thing he did earlier, which is just like, oh yeah, thanks for taking on the mayor's case. Yeah, I expect great things from you. By the way, the mayor said he was going to donate a lot of money to us, so we don't need him to die just yet. Yeah, again... Him and his daughter are utter shitbags. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, the worst. I hate both of the characters so much. And I'm supposed to. They're written to be hated. Yep. So, yeah, he, he has, he has his, his character moment in this first episode. Where he pauses and he thinks, and you can see the gears grinding in his head. It, he may even be shaking a little at that point. Mm -hmm. Which is not what you want to see from your surgeon. Just, <clears throat> I mean... Trembling with fear or or whatever, it doesn't matter. I kind of want you real rock solid. Steady hands, buddy. Steady hands. <laughs> but that's aside from the point. He does the right thing. He's like, no, nah, I'm about to save me, little boy. Yeah, he has this cool moment where there is no music and there's just like the echoing of all the things that we've seen in this one episode that would like change his mind on this. And the finishing part is the wife of the Turkish man just yelling, give him back. And then he stops in the middle of the corridor. The, like, soundtrack soars into the hero theme yeah. as he turns away to go and operate on a little boy. Nice. So we've, we've had this lovely moment of Tenma, like, breaking expectations and going to operate on the person that came in first, someone he promised he would save. And then we cut back to the creepy little girl and the music stops. And she says, kill him again. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the ending credits, which are pretty simple. There's just like this kind of somber music next to, it's like a witch. So I guess kind of a more traditional representation of a monster. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of it. That, that's kind of it. Uh, but that's enough for a first episode. Mm -hmm. I mean... It was the exact right amount, because you were curious about... They opened up a lot of threads and made you ask questions in this first one that you're interested to see the answers to as they develop. For instance, who is him? Is a very good question. And you know what? At the end of the day, I'm still not fully comfortable with venturing a guess. I'm assuming that you've watched all of this, so you're like, oh, I clearly know who him is. But... I'm not that dude, so I don't know. 
<laughs> this first episode, there's obviously the through line of Dr. Tenma doing, quote-unquote, the right thing, and we'll get to that, but there's so much like mystery just added in by, first of all, why is Revelations at the beginning of this talking about a pale white horse and summoning a monster? Yeah. Why is the show even called Monster? Yeah, yeah. See, now, when I saw all those things and saw that Tenma's already kind of, like, stressing out, having, like, breaks, and they started to go into the woman saying, you know, bring him back to me or whatever, I was like, is this going to be a cool set in the Cold War era Germany Frankenstein story where he snaps and it, he starts to try to reanimate the dead <laughs> because the stressors just broke him and he became obsessed with a thing? <laughs> I would watch that show! Yeah. I would watch that show with the exact same cast because I still want shit in-laws that he hates inside, but political pressure keeps him just rolling with it. And trying to hide his great shame from his prestigious family and his expectant fiance, mm -hmm. I would watch that show. <laughs> I love that that's your first go-to, and not that this is a show about the monster of humanity. Like, I love how you ranked that straight to fantasy, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, this is anime, so more often than not, where the fuck does it go? It goes to the fucking fantasy side of things, right? Because you could do shit with drawings that you can't... Well, you can do now, but it's expensive to do with film. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people find very distasteful, which means either it makes no money or it becomes a weird cult hit like the human centipede. And why? Just why? <laughs> but that's, that's a tangent that is not about this show for, for another day. That's a tangent. <laughs> that, is a, that is a rabbit hole you do not want to go down. There is mm -hmm. there is nothing good at the bottom of that well. Yep. <laughs> well, well done for pulling out the human centipede and killing all the conversation. Yeah, okay. uh, you're just picturing it in your mind, aren't you? Nope. Walk, out walking that centipede. Nope. Just gonna, nope. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that look. No. I know that look, nope. Mr. Hadfield. <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> Live in the trash pile I have created. Nope. <laughs> okay, fine. Bring it back on track. If we must... No, that's it. I think I'm just done. Like, I ch I tried to show you something cool and out of the norm of regular anime, and this is how you do me. Cool. So next week, we're just watching High School Anime, the High School Anime. No, dog, don't nope. do that. I really... Nope, nope. This is, this is what happens when I try and give you, like, challenging things to look at. You go, oh, remember the human centipede? No, fuck you, Travis. <laughs> You almost sound genuinely, genuinely upset. And I know you aren't. Because... I'm a little bit. <laughs> hold on. Let, let, me, let, let me bring it back around. Let me make another point. Here is why I like this. Because every medical drama that you will see in modern media is fuck doctors who've come to fuck. <laughs> like, there is no medical drama. They're not even performing surgery. They're just banging in a hospital. And that's dumb, and I hate it, and it, it, it literally isn't a medical drama, because most of the time it's not about that at all. It's about, again, fuck doctors who have come to fuck. 
And, you know, I'm sure there's people out there, there's probably at least one that, that is listening to us right now that likes Grey's or any of the other ones. And I'm like, and that's good. Love it. But it's not a medical drama. If you want to be, be honest with yourself, have a conversation with you. You can like it, but it's not medical drama. Not really. I, look, I don't know how we got to here. I was comparing this to what they try to give us as medical drama. I know. I'm just going to continue feigning disappointment. Okay, cool. (laughs) I'm going to feel like the worst now. I feel like, you know when your parents don't yell at you? Like when you were in trouble (laughs) as a kid? But they just said, like, we're we're just really, really disappointed in, in what you have done. And it was like, can't you just, like, punch me in the face instead? This would be so much better. Oh, the disappointment. I'm dying. I'm dying inside. There's a scene between us. I can't come over and punch you in the face. You could. It's just real expensive to do. Mm-hmm. So do we have any final thoughts on the show that we actually watched? This show that we actually watched? Yes. I really liked this show. Um, the pacing was great because it felt appropriate. A lot of the times, uh, especially with when it's not a full movie, but they've got, you know, we need to tell a story in 23 minutes. They're so wrapped up in the idea of completing an arc that the pace is so wrong for the story they're trying to tell. This one said, no, 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 son. We're going to do this right. We're going to give you small tension that is going to build to big tension. And you got to just come with us for the ride. And I want to go on the ride because they did it correctly. Does that make you Does that make you feel better, Dad? My anime dad? Just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. And it's only 73 more episodes until you've got the whole story. Whoa! This is a long-ass show. So that was a monster. That was a monster. Um, not the energy drink, but the actual medical drama. Yes, a medical drama. Travis, there's a thing we need to do now. Yeah, yeah, there's a thing that we need to do now, huh? Next time on WTF Anime. So as promised slash threatened, we're doing a high school thing. Of course we are. And first of all, I don't for one second accept that this is punishment doled out. This was planned. This was all very planned. Because finally, we're going to get to talk about sports anime, which is the best and purest of all anime, as we watch Haikyuu Episode 1. Oh, okay. Uh, which which version of sportsing are they doing this anime? Well, the sports ball in question is volleyball. Volleyball? Men's or women's? Men's. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's like professional serious or if it's like beach. High school. It's with the team. It's with the team. It's a, it's a professional thing. Well, not professional, but, <laughs> you know, school volleyball club. I was hoping for, like, a rad, like, surfer dude volleyball show. <laughs> no? No. No, Travis. This is serious. All of the stakes are the highest possible because this is sports anime. Now, if they, like, shot the losing team, I'd believe that. And that'd be a really interesting... <laughs> Uh, volleyball show. I don't know why you'd enter into that volleyball contest where loser dies. That prize has to be rad as hell. Look, there's enough shows about death games for a wish that we we can get to if you want. 
why why not? I've seen lots of other bizarre things. Let's let's travel down another dark alley. <laughs> so business. Business. If you would like to follow the show on Twitter, we are at WTF Anime Show. And if you want to email us, you can hit us up using the email that is God, there is no good way to say that sentence ever. WTF Anime Show at gmail.com. Uh, I can always and forever be found on Twitter at the Joe Hatfield. And Travis, where can people find you? All right. If you want to hit me on Twitter, you can hit me up at Dice Lobber, D I C E L O B B E R. And always remember, I am not running the WTF anime show handle, so you got to tag me if you want both of us in the conversation. Um, aside from that, uh, other things that you and I should promote, Joe, because we're going to be good, good promotion boys. And what we're going to do is promote a new project that we're involved in. What's that, Joe? That is Lost Libraries Grayscale. Grayscale is the first uh, actual play podcast that's coming out on Lost Library, which is going to be a big collection of actual plays. This one is using Monster of the Week, the Powered by the Apocalypse system. I play a very stressed out teacher dad uh, who just happens to be Irish. And uh, I play a a very sad, stressed out, messed up uh, punk boy. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a good time. It's a good time. And just so you know, unlike a lot of actual plays, which have a cast of around four or five people, usually a steady, uh, Matt Hoadley is a glutton for punishment and literally recruited 10 people to do this. So you're going to get different groups of people out stalking the night together, uh, solving monster hunting things. It's going to be good times. Yeah. Yeah, I think that about sums it up, yeah? I think we shouted out all the things. I think so. Man, you know, we only have two things and that felt exhausting. Can you imagine being Jake as a guest on a podcast where he's like, I've got like 30 podcasts now, plus five more I'm starting next week. It's his own fault. But I wouldn't ask for that on myself. No, no, not at all. <laughs> that is madness. You have a sickness. We need to intervene on your behalf, Jake. But we love you. <laughs> should, should we leave on that note? You have a sickness, but we love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>